Hello, I'm Julia Lupton, Interim Director of the University of California Humanities Research Institute. It's my privilege to introduce Tracing Everyday Upheavals in the Middle East, a limited podcast series supported by a UCHRI multi-campus graduate student working group grant. This podcast brings together nine scholars from four UC campuses who have personal and academic engagements with the Middle East. They share their stories and experiences with upheavals in the region. This project focuses on upheavals in everyday life, unearthing intimate histories, complex presence, and imagined futures. In this episode, our scholars discuss how the Arab Spring, the pro-democracy uprising of the early 2010s, influences the way they consider upheavals in the Middle East. Uh, How do you think the Arab Spring (laughs) moment influenced the way we think about upheavals um, in the Middle East? And also thinking about that question in relationship to Roy's question about temporalities. I actually wanted to talk about that because the all of these things we're talking about go, goes back to like how we make sense of the last 10 years. And I, I was just thinking about the time dimension as well. Like, I wonder how we would name this group if we were to work together 10 years ago. So is it just because of the position we find ourselves right now, including geographically, that we choose this word or like, Maybe two years from now, we would we still wouldn't choose that word. I mean, it's so interesting how we make sense of um, the past ten years, including starting from like the Arab Spring, and we don't start with something earlier. Probably also related to the, I mean, our ages. <laughs> Personally, like remembering Arab Spring was the first time in Turkey. I'm like. Like, why do we always need to, like, read about, like, we have to go through, like, Chiapas. And, like, like everything was either so far or I was, I think we were not really paying attention to what is going on there. And this was for, like, a, no, things can change. Things can change here as well. So that's why it was really, I think, empowering to see Arab Supreme somewhere close and not far up and like historically yeah. related and and then it got I think it also has of course its effects on on Gezi and like seeing that like people getting organized on the streets and yeah uh, and Occupy does as well but I think Arab Spring does more. You talk like a historian but like you probably you've seen all these compared to cities on how like Occupy and Arab Spring and Gezi and all of the protests around the world are compared to 1840s and then mm-hmm like the, the revolutions in the 1840s and then the loss that comes after 1840s? Oh, I, I haven't yeah. seen them, actually. Yeah, I've seen some of that. And I always think also about um, what, so like like Lalu, I also, the, the Arab Spring, I realize it's, it's a problematic term, but uh, the Arab Spring, quote unquote, was also the first time, Tunis, T- Tunisia was the first time I realized, oh, these presidents can leave, can be ousted maybe. But yes, when I think more critically, I definitely feel that maybe also the the way that we have been thinking or maybe the way that mainstream media or even academia at the moment of the Arab Spring 
talked about it as a complete rupture from what preceded it is is mm -hmm. is a little bit problematic as if this is the first time that the people in this region revolt right which is really not true right it's just fundamentally not true and it's it's a little bit like the more problematic narrative of awakening right that somehow people were sleeping and then they woke up in 2011 and revolted there was no awakening we all know nobody was sleeping I totally agree with you. I was going to say something very similar. I mean, in Lebanon, we had, in 2010, and I don't know if you remember Aida, um, we had something called uh, Laik Pride. Laik and it was like, such a beautiful, such a beautiful protest uh, against uh, sectarianism in Lebanon. And there was, there was a lot of like feminist and queer expression in that, uh, in that protest. But anyway, just to say that I think, uh, yeah, there's this kind of like, this media that just descends on a place and, and everything becomes like a starting point in an unfolding history. Uh, and that, yeah, you know, that's very limiting. But actually I wanted to also, several of you were talking about public space and how during upheaval, our relationship to public space is is radically transformed. And I feel for me, uh, I experienced it a lot in Tripoli, where I come from. Um, in 2019, I mean, they, they, sadly, I wasn't there when the revolution erupted or that revolutionary moment. But I remember when I went back a few months later, in, in downtown Tripoli, there were all these tents where people would gather every night. Um, and they were like literally uh, like people who are university professors sitting next to someone who is literally illiterate and they would talk about the meaning of being a citizen and what a municipality should do and and this was such a refreshing thing because suddenly you realize well in in this capitalistic way of how our lived spaces our lived common spaces are designed there are no possibilities for these conversations to happen because you know you can meet in a in a pub or coffee shop or whatever it is, or but you don't have spaces that create that kind of kind of conversation across social boundaries. And, and then maybe in the past, I don't know, it was a bit different when unions were more active. And I'm talking more about Lebanon. But it was just so refreshing to see how you suddenly feel like, oh, we we own that public space and we can, you know, find ways of being together in that public space differently. Well, I was just gonna say, yeah, no, I think that's a really interesting point. And, and I, I think just the in Beirut or in Lebanon, but I, I was in Beirut, so I can only really speak to that. Yeah, the uses of space were also, um, they were so powerful and the types of conversations and even just the possibilities for conversation that were there. Um, and, and something I was thinking of was Egypt was definitely like, they were seeing Tunis and then seeing Egypt um, and especially Egypt on TV was really, really inspiring and, and powerful at that moment. Um, and, but it's also interesting, just like, you know, it's, it was actually a long time since then. And so much has happened. And also um, the ways like, uh, like thinking about like Syria, for example, and then also how that, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm thinking a lot, but I'm just thinking about even like within Lebanon as well. Like there's even within these like revolutionary moments, there's, there's so much too that is, um, 
problematic as well. Um, and I guess like, I, I think it's important to speak about that too, because like, I think about in Lebanon, for example, the ways that even like the, the uprising moments also become very like nationalist as well. You see the Lebanese flag out um, and these ideas of who is like a proper like Lebanese and like protester and you're civilized and educated. But then what about like all the migrant workers or the refugees or the Palestinians too, who have been there for also generations in exile. And so, and then to think about like, we're talking about like the media as well. And this kind of consciousness that people also have on the street about the media oh, we need to show the world who we are. And that's a very much like a middle-class kind of aspirational thing. Like, oh, we want to show the world that we are good protesters and we right. clean our streets. And I think that's also been written about in Egypt yeah. and, and stuff. So it's interesting. I mean, I think it's, it's uh, like everyone was saying, like these like moments like are so like complex and the Arab Spring is so much more. It's not just a moment. It is like a kind of, there's like an ongoingness to all of it. And it's really tied also to our like histories of resistance as well. And these like kind of imagining them as just these like uh, moments. <laughs> I love what you said about who was asleep, you know, we were all awake. Like this, these are things that are just ongoing. And to think about like the ongoingness, whether it's the the everyday things, like this kind of everyday ways that we're also like uh, fighting against, like whatever it is, like patriarchy, uh, neoliberalism, like in, like the ways we use space or the ways where, you know, just the many different uh, things that we're challenging in the everyday or these like moments of uprising, like we're constantly kind of doing it. And there's ways that it's also problematic, but also liberatory. I'm, I want to point out again, I feel like I'm taking a digression from like your uh, debate, but um Again, the time dimension and how old we were when these were happening, apart from like all the feelings that goes into the collective effervescence type of things that goes into like these moments. Um, there's a story of like coming of age, I hear. Mm. Like if you're like, I was 25, I think when the Arab Spring started. And I remember reading the news and that was when I first actually also started using Twitter a little bit. And I was like into this thing and I... I think there's also that like coming of age time and like being young and like wanting to change things. It's, I think the time dimension and our ages have a lot to do with like how we feel about these things. Like right now, I think of like series of disappointments about the things we talk about a lot, like purchasing power and how much women's hygiene pet, I don't remember what they're called in English, like how much something costs in Lebanon or in Egypt yeah, or in yeah. Turkey. Like mm -hmm. these are also part of the series of disappointments. All of these, this um, language we use about these moments, and it's not for me just Gezi, even before Gezi, I remember there was this Emek a movie theater in Istanbul and people were against it being like demolished and turning into um, some kind of shopping center. And it's, it's a very nice architectural artifact that we should protect and it's part of city's cultural the oldest, It was the oldest cinema in Istanbul it was one of the oldest Istanbul yeah and it was beautiful and it was like the heart of like movie festival and I remember going into that and I remember feeling like wow this is important and so many people find this important and then there's also the moment of the black sea is in riot against the hydroelectric power plants and like the, the word that we use in Gezi like Diran they were using Diran Karadeniz like resist from like way before 
the Gezi protest started. But like all of these things that I feel like are very much tied, I wish there was some uh, historian to make sense all of these social movements kind of like together. But apart from that like historical narrative and like social movements and how they make us feel and like being in the city and like um, have a lot to say and why we chose the word upheaval, how we make sense of it now. I don't think I would say upheaval was such a negative word if you asked me maybe six years ago. I, I just want to say like, Middle East was like very, a very cool place. I don't want to say like made me proud. I don't know the exact feeling, but it made me feel so good about being kind of part of that, even just by following the news. Like there is this political group who thinks Gezi changed everything in Turkey and I don't belong to that group. I don't agree. And, and I think it's like what we call this white Turk view of uh, Gezi in Turkish, yeah. like really invisibilizing the years long Kurdish resistance and oppression. And when things happened in Istanbul, that changed. So I'm not there, but I do still believe that it changed a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I think like, I totally feel the disappointments which came with, which came after because I think actually they were related with all the stuff we are, we are discussing. Like when we think about upheavals in this immense big moments, what we really lose in terms of those everyday upheavals. Mm-hmm. Like now mm-hmm. we are speaking about like, we have been upheaval forever as female, assigned a female at birth, people especially who grew up in this geography, like fighting against harassment and abuse constantly every day, being on the street, daily means that you're in a upheaval and it is like I don't want to say it is like I think we normalize it so much that is part of our daily life we don't even recognize it but we are on a constant upheaval there and it's really true for Korean trans folks as well like being on the street the way you want to be is uh, is an upheaval and in this pride march our slogan was like our every walk is the pride march and that day when we were coming back from a party in Istiklal, we had like four young trans folks who were beautiful, shining, queeny, barely clothing yeah. uh, positions. And uh, me and a couple of other friends, we find ourselves like kind of checking out, protecting the crowd. And like, I'm like, literally every Vogue is pride Vogue. It is like why we're always threatened as well, even in the street that we feel most belonging and um, I think when I mean Gezi babies I generally tend to mean yeah queer and trans folks because they really changed my perspective about what this big upheaval did because for me it was disappointment for me I really felt lost defeated I got angry with almost all the people we were fighting together there Mm -hmm. I'm like now like half of it left the country I was angry with who are leaving the country as well now I'm here. <laughs> I mean, it's a process, I guess. Lots of anger, lots of despair, lots of grief and mourning, bombings and all. It was just, we didn't know how to deal with it. And we were like, whatever we did, was it worth it? Like we lost so many people in the fight. It changes us. So I don't care what upheaval is, but I do care what upheaval do. Yeah, I'm thinking also more and more about temporality. Um, as a historian, <laughs> very interested in uh, in sort of thinking about that moment of um, 
whether it's 2011 for me in Egypt or other moments of the Arab Spring or of the protests in the Middle East, as a, a turning point that did things that changed things, but not a rupture from things that yeah. preceded, right? Like if I only look at the hundreds years I'm interested in studying, there are at least three, four, four revolutions, not just uprisings, revolts, there are four revolutions in Egypt just in the hundred years that I look at. So like how to situate this moment in that longer genealogy of revolutions, uprisings, um, and what do we think of as the past too? Like, like we're speaking, at least I feel like I'm speaking now of the, of the Arab Spring or, the, <laughs> or 2011 as a moment, not as a year in the past, right? But it's not really in the past. It's as you all said, it's, it's, it's ongoing and it's not something that we can really look at as history now because we, we all live sort of in the consequences of that, just thinking a little bit more about what what is in the past and and how to to think about 2011 as an ongoing and present legacy, not as a moment that ended after the 18 days in Egypt or after I don't know 2011 or after 2013. Yani, what what exactly ends a revolutionary moment or where mm-hmm. where does it stop is interesting. Like and maybe in a hundred years it would make more sense to periodize that because now it's really too ongoing too present and like in Egypt at least there's still people who are like in prison from that revolution as yeah. well you know so or and- because they participated one day in that revolution right. even if they completely stopped their activism right there is like payback yeah. for for yeah. that so yeah and yeah. those things are still very very real very present and then also just like we're saying the consequences of these things of the processes that were mm-hmm. set in motion in these like revolutionary moments and then also just like the fact that many of us were were shaped mm-hmm. in, in many ways like we were saying earlier like shaped also politically shaped in the ways that we approach the world by these moments i think mm-hmm. what you're saying is really uh powerful because it's like yeah it's it's not something yet that maybe we should periodize in that way because we we can't it's it's still very much present it's still very much part of this ongoing struggle I'm, I'm interested, I'm really interested in, uh, like from everything you were saying, in the collective consciousness that arises from these moments and how they have that longevity. Because yes, these moments are points in time, even if they happen over a longer period and they connect to other moments. I mean, they remind us sort of like, oh, this is not the first time like we had other revolutions. But the way they create like a collective consciousness and in, I feel in a reality that's, especially in capitalism, neoliberalism, trying always to like separate us, make us more and more as individuals. Uh, And here, I mean, Lalo, you were talking about how you left and I left and and we suddenly feel like we're we're alone. And so there is a collective consciousness that for me is really interesting how that collective consciousness comes to be, I totally agree with you, Aida. It is in many ways problematic because then it, it also clashes with like the idea of who are we, right? Like yeah. comes like the nationalist. But I mean, especially in a place like Lebanon, this put into question nationalism, right? I don't think for me, like the migrant workers were, were completely forgotten. On the contrary, it was like a heightened moment to also think about who we are, you know, as a nation. It's, it's, it's a very problematic nation anyway, <laughs> like the nation of Lebanon, which its constituents. But 
Yeah, just like I think like this idea of the collective consciousness that gets formed into those moments and how it affects then how we think of ourselves. To learn more about tracing everyday upheavals in the Middle East and other UCHRI-funded projects and grant opportunities, please visit uchri.org.